Good morning. How's everybody doing? Great. Great. Well, my name's Josh. If I haven't met you before, I'd like to. Hey, Josh. Hey, Deli. Uh, my wife and family are down there. Raise your words. My wife's not down there, but my family down there. That's not Ben. Pretty much like my family, but my kids are down here. And we are vegetable farmers here in town. So, um, woo! Um, we didn't come to Terre Haute for that, but here we are. So, yesterday morning, uh, I was at the farm very early and uh, getting ready for our farmer's market, and I had this thought, and, you know, what do vegetables want more than anything else in the world? They want peas on earth. I know. Uh, my kids are, like, cringing right now, but that's really why I told the joke. Um, I'm also an amateur comedian, so I, I have, I've entered uh, these, these contests. They don't even know this, but I never make it past the first round because my jokes are just too corny. So I've kind of told that one already, but I like it, and so I will continue doing that for my children the rest of my life. But welcome to Christway. This is part three of our um, Getting Outside of Yourself uh, series, and today is Pentecost Sunday, which Andy talked about, yay, that's just very cool, and it's also Memorial Day weekend, so we've got a lot going on. So um, Pentecost, as Andy said, is... It comes from the word Pentecostos, which means 50th. So it's seven weeks after the Passover Sabbath in the Israel, uh, the Hebrew tradition. So we talked about, uh, or Andy kind of mentioned, there were a group of people, disciples, numbering around 120 in the upper room, which I like to call that. So if you're up there, get ready, because something's going to hit you first, I think. So... Anyway, they're in this room. They were probably uh, celebrating Passover, I mean Pentecost, the Passover Sabbath. It's also called the Feast of the Harvest, I believe. Um, and they were waiting. They were waiting. What were they waiting for? Do we know? The Holy Spirit, yes. Because before Jesus ascended, he said, somebody's coming, right? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and... Something's going to happen. You're going to have power. So they're sitting there waiting. Now, I don't think they were sitting there. I think they were probably, um, I don't know why, but I, I thought of a big Thanksgiving feast. You know, maybe they were having a meal and they were, they were hanging out. But the scripture is very clear that they were in anticipation. There was anticipatory celebration. They were waiting. And I think, I, think, I, I was thinking, like, how often do we wait on things, Right? the doctor's office. I, we're waiting. Sometimes, if you have a doctor that's not punctual, you wait for a long time to be seen by the doctor. As I've found out, and my mom found out the other day, as she waited several hours to see her doctor. Uh, sometimes, I was thinking when we, when we go to amusement park, Disney World, Holiday World, whatever it is, we wait in line. We wait in line at the grocery store. We wait in line uh, at that place where you get the green and white cup full of demon juice. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? Starbucks. Uh, a lot of us wait in line there, but uh, <laughs> that's a joke because I don't like Starbucks. But we wait, the point is we wait in line all the time, and we're, when we're waiting, 
how are we? How, what do we, how's our spirit? How are we processing? Are we anticipating that gross cup of stuff? Are we anticipating a negative, maybe, diagnosis? What, how are we waiting, is the question. I actually believe part of the series is uh, on mission. We, we should be waiting in anticipation all the time. We are anticipating God to move. We are anticipating hope and joy all the time. Why? That, that's basically what he's promised us, so we should just always be waiting for that, always be ready for that. I think the disciples, the 120-ish up in the upper room, were, were not just sitting down solemn. There, there's probably time for that, but I think they were going about their day. We know for sure that they were doing what I believe is our greatest mission, and that is making disciples. We're supposed to be disciples that make disciples, and I believe that's what they were doing when the Holy Spirit came, because it started with 12, and then we know there was 120, and then after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit came, which we'll, I want to read through that in just a second, then Peter preached, and then there were 3,000 more. So something happened, right? And then today, that birthday of, the, of our church happened. So if you'll turn to Acts 2, I'm going to read out of the Passion because that's what I've been reading out for the last few years, and so I'm just going to continue. Uh, verse 1. It says, On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly. So before the suddenly, they were waiting. Sometimes things come slowly, but a lot of times, in my experience, things suddenly come when it comes to the Lord. All of a sudden, something's changed. All of a sudden, I see things differently. All of a sudden, things are happening in people's lives around me, almost like it just happened. So suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. That sounds to me like tornado-level winds, right? It's not ripping everything apart, but it's so powerful, you know something's happening. I am, our family's not from the Midwest, we're from the west, of, we're from Idaho. So the storms here are not like they are in Idaho. Right now... In Boise, Idaho, the Treasure Valley is what it, they're getting ready to go into 100 days of sunshine every single year, almost. It's 100 days straight of sunshine. None of those crazy storms in the evenings. It's just hot and dry all summer. And that's, that happens a lot in the West, and that's what ha why we get so many fires, right? But we don't get those crazy storms. So the first year we're here in Terre Haute, out in the country where we live, and here comes these big thunderstorms, and some of you would laugh because they weren't that big. But we're like, what is this? This is definitely a tornado. <laughs> it's not actually a tornado. Uh, it was just a, a normal thunderstorm that we found now. But it sure felt like it because we weren't ready. This wind that came in the upper room was strong and violent and powerful. And it's translated in the Aramaic, I believe, is translated into a groaning sound. They heard a groaning sound. Something was about to change. Something changed. We, we know that now, but they didn't know. They're sitting up there. 
They're celebrating the feast. I'm sure they're eating well. And something suddenly changed. But I feel, I just feel strongly, I felt this all week, is that we need to anticipate that change for our lives, for this church, and for everything going on around us. That's the kingdom of, of something's happening. And so if we're anticipating that, then we'll be more willing to be involved in that. If you're not anticipating that, then it's not on your mind and you're really not, it's really not a big deal. And we just come to church every Sunday and nothing really ever changes in our life. And that, I do not believe, is the kingdom of God. I liked football and golf, so I might as well go Sunday and watch football and play golf instead of just sit here every Sunday. I want to anticipate that what this says is actually true, that things can actually change, not just for me, but for those around me. Your life is not about you. My life is not about me. My life is about everybody around me. It's about the kingdom going through. Just this week, or last week, I guess it was, somebody close to me said, now it's time for me to be a pipe, a conduit. The last season of my life, I've been really being filled up, and now it's time to be a conduit. That's the kingdom, guys. That's the kingdom. That's what Pentecost was about, and that actually is mission. So our family, we've been missionaries. We, uh, in 2010... Mindy and I had, um, we had been married about five years, and Mindy, before we met, was not a, a Christian. She had, she had accepted Jesus, we got married, and so it was this new life, and uh, we met, we really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and what I mean by that is the word that's actually translated in this scripture, there's two, two words translated for the Holy Spirit in, in scripture. One means to be filled inwardly, and one means to be filled outwardly for the power of God. This is the outward filling that we're talking about. Some of us in here have definitely experienced that, and maybe some of you haven't. But the outward filling that happened to us both really at the same time. And then we started praying this prayer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you to pray this prayer, but be very careful about this. The prayer we started praying together was, God, we wanna be totally dependent on you. Some of you have already heard this come out of my mouth, but it is so important to be totally dependent on Jesus. We had careers. We had good jobs. God changed everything when we started praying that. I mean everything. What if God said, leave your job? I need you to go, to, I need you to go somewhere. What if? Are you willing is the question. Because before that, I definitely was not willing. I made good money. I did not want to be uncomfortable. But yet, I wanted this so deep in my spirit. I wanted to be on mission. I wanted to do what God asked me to do. And we wanted to do it together. And we wanted to take our family. And within two years, we took our little tiny kids and moved to Africa. And everybody thought we were nuts. Serious. They thought we were crazy. I was the next, we started praying that prayer a year later. I was sitting on our couch. I, can, I remember this clearly. We bought the home that I grew up in with my parents, Mindy and I did, from them. We paid good money. And, um, and we were sitting there. We had babies. I mean, all those three there were little. And 
I was on my laptop, and I had literally been praying about doing some type of missions trip. I thought, well, maybe, Mindy, we really can't take the kids. They're young, so I'll just go serve somewhere for a couple of weeks, and I just want to serve. So I'm looking up all these opportunities. Our little church didn't really have any opportunities, and I came across this missionary school in Mozambique, which is in Africa. And I, Mindy was sitting in our little recliner. I can see this perfectly in my mind. And I leaned over. She might have been holding Josiah, who was less than a year old. And I said, hey, why don't we go to Africa for the summer? And she's like, uh, okay. So at that time, we had left our tech careers. We worked in high-tech companies. Um, I had become a high school teacher. And we'd taken about an 80% pay cut in our salary. And we were literally barely surviving financially. We were surviving, but barely. And so this just was deep in our spirit. All of a sudden, I was joking, literally. I was like, I'm not going to Africa. That's, that's just funny, right? I like to go to a beach to lay down on the beach and see the beautiful water. I did not want to go. I'd serve people there. But God, I'd go to like, I mean, Fiji'd be OK if you wanted me to send me there, Lord. But God really just kept that in my heart. And I kept, we kept talking about it and talking about it. And then these suddenly moments happened. Suddenly, we were in a home group that we were really fond of. We really loved these people. We were in a home group. Mindy and I had started praying about, is this serious? Are we seriously thinking about this? Taking three kids, two in diapers, across the world for, um, for four months, three and a half, four months. And somebody, we were in this home group. We had had a meeting. I had just, we had just asked them to pray for us. We didn't give any details, nothing. Nobody had any idea what was going on. And we sat down, they gathered around, and they prayed over us. And all of a sudden, they're praying things like, God, keep their family safe. God, whatever they do, go with them. God, go before them. And I, I'm literally in tears, knowing that God's suddenly moving in my life. The prayer was over. We were having some snacks. Mindy was in the kitchen of this house. And a lady who we knew, who's actually passed away since then, came to her and said these words, I'm going to go to harvest school one day too. We told nobody, guys, not one person what we were thinking or praying about, not one person. And this is the exact words. She knew exactly what we were thinking. The Holy Spirit had told her what was happening. And it was confirmation that where we were going was the right way. Now, we needed $25,000 to go, to fly to Mozambique, which is a long trip, I had $200 in my savings account. And I was a high school teacher in Idaho, which gets, that's like the lowest level of pay you can almost have. So, okay, Lord, we're going to apply for this school because we feel like suddenly you're doing something, and we're going to find out. I don't know. I have no idea if I can go. So we applied. We sent our application in. Literally, we sent our application, and a week later, this new couple comes into our church named Billy and Catherine, some of our dearest friends. Guess where they just came back from? The same exact missionary school in the same exact place that we applied for, Harvest School. And all of a sudden, they just came to our church for the first time. All of a sudden. Suddenly, something was happening. Okay? 1,500 people applied for the school. 300 got in. They were on the committee, because they'd gone to the school, that approved the applications. When our application went through the first time, we got denied. We were not accepted to go. 
we had too many little kids, whatever reason. And then it got reviewed. And Billy and Catherine saw it. And they said, maybe you should give these guys a chance. I think they would really fit in. And all of a sudden, we get an approval letter. And we, we, we found this out later. We didn't know this was going on. Now we're approved to go. We still need $25,000 to fly our family over here to pay for tuition and to pay all of our bills while we're, we're gone. But God suddenly did it. And not only did we have $25,000, we came back with thousands and thousands of dollars in our bank account that we didn't even have before we left. Suddenly, God does things. But why? We were anticipating something happens in our life. We had been filled with the Spirit, inwardly, outwardly, and we were ready. Pentecost almost like happened to us, and then we just wanted to do something. And because we said yes, God moved. Because I think that's what it is. Mission is about saying yes. Mission is about getting outside of ourselves and not about, God, I, I don't know what to do. Our mission is to make disciples. The one thing I did want to point out, and I, I said it before, is when you accept Jesus, you have access to the Holy Spirit. But there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's something that comes onto you outwardly. In this particular passage, they all started speaking in tongues, people, and that's what Andy was saying. They were, they were drunk. Everybody thought they were drunk. They're speaking in all these languages, but these languages were known to other people in Jerusalem. I'm not sure I believe that you have to speak in tongues to have that expression, but what I do believe is something changes in you. Something is different. You have a courage, a boldness. And our mission does not have to be in Mozambique, or we ended up in South Africa living there for a few years. It doesn't have to be that. But our mission is simply, what about the people at work or at school or that, you're, that are in your circle? Do they even know that you follow Jesus? Because they know by our love and how we speak, what things we choose to talk about. I'm going to brag about Christina right now because uh, Christina, we worked together at our farm. And Thursday, Christina and I worked pretty much together the whole day or while you were there um, processing lettuce, which means another worker was harvesting lettuce and bringing it to our wash and pack area. And we washed lettuce and we sanitized lettuce. And we bagged lettuce over and over and over and over, just, just constantly all day. Like, that's what we did. Now, Christina's a rock star in that area. I am not as good at that, but, I, but she made a comment. She's like, it's good that you get in here and see what other people do all day. And uh, it, wasn't an, it was a good thing. It wasn't, she wasn't putting me down, but it is true. I, keep get pulled at, I always get pulled out to answer questions and, and talk to people and things. But as I came back in, another one of our workers was in there, and I overheard this conversation. And the conversation was um, about this person's, uh, did you grow up in church? Oh, which church did you go to? This person grew up uh, going to the church where Next Step is now. That's the church that our family went to. But Christina kept going. Well, that's awesome that you went to a church do you have a relationship with Jesus? 
How do you feel about that? And I'm, I'm witnessing this firsthand. I'm not getting involved. I'm the owner, the boss. I want to I wanna watch. And quite honestly, I'm not sure how the conversation ended, but that's mission. That's our mission, to have that conversation. The only reason Christina could have that conversation with this particular person is because she's built relationship with that person at work. And we've sat, and our break room is outside, because we're a farm. So we sit outside, and we chat, and we laugh, and we make fun of the pigs, and we do things like that together, and she has that relationship. But that is mission to me. And I was so proud, honestly, because that's, that's just awesome. To own a business and witness that was so awesome to me. That's the mission that I want to have in my life. And it's so hard sometimes to just come out and say, do you know Jesus? I just, for me, that's difficult. But, and I'll tell you why. It's because I've seen the negative impact of people that hurt others using the name of Jesus. And so for me, it's hard to just come out and, I'm a Christian, you got to be a Christian. I want to love you to Jesus. And so that's, what, that's my personal walk. I try. But to be able to witness it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And it was in the perfect tone and the perfect way and the perfect relationship. And for me, um, I was proud of you. So thank you. So as they were waiting, the disciples get filled with the Spirit, speak in tongues. The church is born. 3,000. Can you imagine if today, I'm just going to imagine it, if today the, the rushing wind just came right through these windows, whatever happened, happened, we all did whatever God wants to do with us, and then 3,000 people wanted to join the church tomorrow? Can you imagine the logistics of that? Because those of us that sit in the planning meetings about that, it blows my mind to think, that's 10 services. 10 services on a Sunday we'd have to have here. But God knows that. Holy Spirit is very aware of how many people it takes to serve other people. And yet, suddenly, 3,000 people started a church. And those guys were mobilized and just kept growing and growing and growing. And I don't want you to think I think it's about numbers. But I think what happens is when the power is evident in your life, people are attracted to that. And they want that. They want to be a part of it. There's people here because you were loved here to this room. Maybe there's people here that have been here a long time. And you love being a part of it. I heard just the other day, somebody's been here most of their life, but they love coming on Sundays because it is family here. This is, this, you're my community. You're who I want to hang out with. You are, you are who I want my kids growing up with. That's what, it, I think that's the kingdom. So Jesus came. And as we connect this to mission, I, read, I was reading the definition of mission. So Mindy and I and our family were missionaries, but the term is like we're for everybody in this room. We are all missionaries. We, were, we may not be overseas missionaries, 
but we are all missionaries. We, we should all be on mission wherever we're going. All me. Not Arnick back there. That was all me. But the definition of mission I read was an operation assigned by a higher authority. I'm with Andy often. We talk about mission. He talks about the military all the time. There are missions. There are orders. You do what you're told in the military, right? We have this mission. Real quickly, turn to Matthew 28. I want to show you what it is. Verse 18. So you'll, you'll, this is a common verse. Everybody knows what it is. It's the Great Commission. But I like the Great Co-Mission. It's a co-mission. Then Jesus came close to them and said, All authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you. And never forget that I'm with you every day, even to the completion of this age. Jesus taught these guys for three years how to live together. If you were to take 12 men, maybe even especially younger men, out of this room here and put them in the same group, and put them under very strenuous, difficult circumstances, I think. I think they were hard. There's going to be some issues. There's going to be some butting of heads. I think if you watch The Chosen, they depict that a little bit, and I think it's great. There is actual stuff happening that's hard. They have to battle their own personalities. They have to battle each other's egos. But they took... 12, Jesus took 12, put them together, and built what we get to do every Sunday. This stuff all over the world. So if he can do that with 12, what can he do with you? And are you willing to do it? I'm going to be bold this morning. I believe there's people in the room that have said no to what you're actually supposed to be doing in life. That, and you know it. You said, I don't want to do that. It's too hard. I'm not going there. It's uncomfortable. I won't make as much money. I'm, I like it, what I'm doing now. And you know God's called you to do this. And if that's the case, and that's you, you're welcome to say no, but I'm going to tell you it's way better to say yes. It's so much better. The peace that I have daily is because I've said yes. It's not because I have anything more than you. It's only because I've said yes and accepted the contentedness that Andy talked about. At 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning when I get up, and I get to go to this beautiful vegetable farm. There's days I let the stress overwhelm me and all the decisions. But there's many days where I get there first before my crew. 
And I look out over that and I think, oh my goodness, thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for giving me the desire of my heart. I looked back this week of the things that I said yes to. The desires of my heart, there's very clear ones that I had. Number one was I wanted to coach football, Friday Night Lights, high school football. That's, that was one of my desires years and years ago. I started coaching with our oldest son, Ethan, who's 27. He lives in Austin, Texas. I started coaching flag football, coached him all the way through the little, little tykes. And then I found this desire for coaching in me that I didn't know was there. And then I wanted to go coach high school football. So I literally left my career in tech, got a master's degree in education, and became a teacher so I could coach high school football. And got an offer as a varsity football coach eventually, and was coaching Friday Night Lights. And I was so excited. Mindy would bring the little kids to the games, and I was so proud. I loved doing it. I loved being in the atmosphere of it. The kids loved being there what they remember. And then we were. Then he called me to go to Africa, and I had to lay that down. So I laid it down. Okay, Lord, thank you for giving me that. Then I'm going to go to Africa. Didn't know I had that desire. Then I went to Africa and fell in love. And they always say when you go to Africa, it, it, you take a piece back home with you, and you do. It, it, it is a surreal experience. In every country we've been in, it's a surreal experience. So we're in Africa. I didn't, you know, I'd lay down that desire. We, we moved on to this farm in South Africa, 50-acre vegetable farm. Well, 50-acre farm that we made vegetables on. We grew vegetables. And that was a desire I didn't know I had. He gave that to me. Never wanted to leave. I can tell you right now, if he wouldn't have spoke, I would not have left that farm. I would be in the farm with all the bugs and snakes and stuff still because I loved being there. But he said, it's time to come back. Okay, I'll lay that down. We laid it down. We came back. Guess what popped up as soon as I come back? Got a job offer to coach Friday Night Lights at the biggest high school in Idaho. Oh, well, thank you, Lord. Okay. Here it comes again. We win state championships. We're at the peak. Then we come here. And I laid it down again. Then I come back. Uh, then I, as we're here, I get a call from Coach Billy Blundell at North High School. Hey, heard you're in town, don't know you. Would you like to interview for a job on the varsity football team? Okay, how do you know me? Uh, oh, just, you just came up, heard from a friend, whatever. I don't even know to this day. So Christian and I were part of the staff at North High School for a year. And then the opportunity to buy the farm. Then I laid it down again, <laughs> and we bought the farm. And I'm, I, show, I tell you this because it's not always how we think it's going to be. It's not he gives you the desire, and then you hang on to it for 25 years. Maybe you lay it down, and you pick it back up. And maybe you, maybe you say no. But I'm telling you, when you say yes, it's an adventure in mission that will change your life. Because it changed ours. Literally changed ours. And so some of my fondest memories... Actually, one of my fondest memories is riding the bus with Christian. Christian filmed for North, and 
We would go to these schools that we'd never been to, big schools in Indy. And for us, you know, it's just high school football, but I'll never forget those times with Christian. And they wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have said yes years and years ago. And this farm, Kindred Roots Farm up here on Margaret, wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have said yes years and years ago. We'd still be probably in the tech world, hustling and bustling. There's nothing wrong with that. God's called you there. But it's, it's where I, I just am so thankful that he gave me some clarity. Most of that clarity came through Mindy, her wisdom of Josh this does not make you happy. This is not what God's saying. Uh, don't worry about money. Don't worry about what people think. Let's just go do this together. That's what she's been in my life. So as we close today, I hope you heard my heart in saying yes, because I want you to say yes. But again, I'm going to be bold and say um, if, if you feel like you don't hear the Holy Spirit clearly, if you feel like that's something you want in your life, I think now is the time for that. I think Pentecost Sunday would not be a better time for you to hear that. So as the team, they're going to come up. And I just want to take a few moments for you to have time with the Lord. During this time, if you, I know for me, it took an act of obedience for me to really have a moment with the Holy Spirit where I heard, where I knew that he was, I was baptized, where I knew that he came upon me. And so if that's you, I, I want you to actually step out of your seat and come up here, and somebody will pray with you. Because it took for me that. It doesn't have to be that. There's no formula. But please say yes when he's prompting you. Some of you may be thinking, I don't even know what that means. I didn't either, and I grew up in the church. My parents sitting right there were pastors. I grew up and I, I wasn't aware. I, I didn't even care in, in some points of my life what that meant. So I didn't know. But I'm telling you, I'm, all, I'm begging you to say yes to this. Why? Because the freedom that comes just in your heart is so worth it. It's so worth it. It gives you the opportunity to do whatever you want to do, whatever he's asking you to do. So stand with me. Arnick's going to play a song. I'm going to pray over you. If you feel like you need to step out and come up here, do that. Somebody will pray. But really connect with Holy Spirit. Just ask him to show you what he needs to show you in this moment. God, I am thankful for, I'm thankful for what you've done. <laughs> I'm thankful for however many thousands of years ago at Pentecost Sunday. I'm so thankful that you, Holy Spirit, you came and that you've given us this opportunity to have your power and your authority. We ask for that in our lives. We ask for uh, humility to see you when we don't, eyes to see you when we don't. God, quicken hearts, even this morning. I just sense that if your heart's beating really fast, you, you, want, you want this, you don't know what it means, just open your heart and let him do it. So God, be with us. Give us courage and boldness in this time. Show us how to get outside of ourself. In Jesus' name.
can be a suddenly for someone. That's the call today. That's the inspiration, the encouragement that Josh extended to us. I'm talking to everybody in here, every single person, everybody. I don't know everybody in here at all, but I'm telling you, I'm talking to everybody in here. You, I, we can be that suddenly for someone else. That's the call. That's the call. We can wait around for something to happen to us, and that's our suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house with it. Like that's our suddenly. But we can be a suddenly for someone else. That's the mission call. That's the outside of yourself. Get outside of yourself. Call. There was a man, he was beaten and he was robbed and he was stripped naked and left bleeding to die right on the side of the road. And suddenly, suddenly a priest came by. That priest was busy with ministry and that priest said no. You see, a man was in need right there and suddenly the intersection had happened. That man left home a long time ago. That man was probably already on the road while this brother was getting beat down. God had a provision already in place and he said no and he walked on the other side of the road and went on. And then suddenly another man, a Levite, also in ministry, came up on him. Except he said no. Walked on the other side of the road and went on. None of us want to be those guys. None of us want to be those guys. We want to be folks that listen and say yes. Sometimes people feel insecure about the one being called. Sometimes people have even told me, man, Andy, I wish, you would, I wish you would have been there. And do you know what I tell them? I would be happy to be there. And if God had wanted me to be there, I would have been there. But God didn't ask me to be there. He asked you to be there. You. It's your mission. It's your call. That's exciting. Exciting. That God is calling us to be a part of his kingdom. And all we have to do is say yes. Okay. Let me apologize real quickly before I let you go. And I mean this as a true apology. Let me apologize 
if I've ever presented this ministry work like it was easy or that I just know how to do it all the time or that I never have a doubt let me apologize if I've ever projected that I understand from A to Z what's going to happen every time let me apologize if I have in any way presented that I just airtight know everything that's going on and I'm never surprised or shocked. If I've ever presented that level of competence, please forgive me. If he has done that, forgive him. If Josh has done that, forgive him. If Melinda's done it, forgive her. Forgive us for that. Because we can stand up here and make it feel flawless. When the entire time we're sitting here thinking and listening and praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to prompt something. And a lot of times we don't even know where it's going to lead after that. We don't know nearly as much as it may appear that we know. But what we do know is in whom we have believed. And we do know that if we say yes to this, we will maintain course until he gives us a course correction. And then we will say yes to that, and we will say yes to that. And it may be zigzaggy. God is the author and finisher of your faith. He's the perfecter and completer of your faith. Will you say yes to it? Will you join me today in saying yes to that? Yes. Yes to that. I want to be somebody's suddenly where they're praying and seeking God and asking and reaching out and hungry. And then all of a sudden, we intersect. Change their life. And here's what we found. Those moments change everybody's life. They change our lives. If you've never said yes, seen God follow through, then this is all theory. But you say yes to the Holy Spirit, and then something happens. Tina and I were talking this week about something like that, and I made a statement to her. I said, this big God thing that God set up in her life, she was telling me this story. And I said, let me tell you what I pray every time one of those things happened to me. Lord, help me never forget how you just orchestrated this. Help me never forget. And I pray that because I know I can and very likely will forget. So I literally, I'm not kidding. I could tell you story after story. Lord, this is so you. You have orchestrated this so clearly. Your presence is so real right now. Help me not forget so that this can be an altar built in my life that I can look back on and say, yes, you did it then, and yes, you did it then, and you'll do it again. I invite you into that. This is an invitation into ministry. Hi, I'm Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been saying that for eight years, inviting you to be one of the pastors with me. One of the pastors here, one of the folks that walk into spaces where you love fully 
and radically and strong and powerfully, and the intersection is God-ordained. I believe it. I hope you're picking that up from me. I believe it. Thank you for sharing your heart with us and your life, both of you, your family. Love you. Let's open our heart one last time in this space before we dismiss. Father, thank you for calling and thank you for loving and thank you for ministry and thank you for direction and encouragement and hope. And when we don't know, and we don't know, but we do know something about you and you reveal yourself to us again and again. And through these moments of ministry opportunity, you reveal yourself. So thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Help us as a body journey together as a body, your body, your hands, your eyes, your feet, your ears, your mouth. Journey together and serve this week. Let's see it today. Let's see it over the holiday, throughout the week where you're calling and we're saying yes and we say yes to the next thing and yes to the next thing and you open up avenues of suddenly miracle outpouring for people. Let it be so. Let it be so. Thank you for the authority of your word and the power of your spirit. The power of your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's go change some lives. What do you say? Amen. Thank you for being here today.